2: You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. This is Jason Roundsville. I am joined, as always, by my co host, Dylan Ray. And we have with us today, we're excited about it. Um, You'll probably be excited about it because if you're listening to this, you probably have a cup of coffee in your hand or a cocktail, one of the two. Anyway, we have Baker Lovett from Black Rifle Coffee Company, uh, one of our newest corporate partners. We're excited to talk to him. Baker, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be
0: here. We're we're glad to have you. I know uh, Dylan does not do anything in the morning without his coffee.
2: You're not wrong. And he
0: he has assured me that black rifle is the coffee that we needed to be associated with. And so I, I uh,
3: that, that that's, I, I agree with that Dylan. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm an
0: equal opportunity guy. So I'm like, Hey, we should have your coffee. And then, you know, we should have my coffee. So if anybody's listening from, uh, diet mountain dew we're you know we'd love to have you on sometime so
3: (laughs) so yeah so um yes thanks for having me happy to be here honored you know we're we're excited to be entering into official formal partnership with the pope and young club you know i grew up in south georgia and savannah on the coast and um you know pope and young getting no deer in the book you know especially with a bow like how challenging that is my my michael shea who's uh Editor in chief of Free Range American, one of Black Rifle's publications. Um, shot a deer in New York, third third all day sit. You know, super short defined season. And um, he uh, he's a he shot it. and He sent me a picture of the broadhead, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I think it was a little bit back." Da da da. da. And I uh, he's like, "You know, he's like, I was like, give it a few hours, then go in. I'm sure the deer. He was, he's a great shot with the bow. He's quartering, uh, so he got long too, but." I remember he sent me a pic. I sent him a text in all caps. I was like, update, please. It's been three hours. He's like, yeah, a little bit of ground shrinkage. You know, it's not a monster. I was like, dude, listen, man. Like, you climbed up in a tree in rain and snow, sleep, frozen snow, cold, wet, three days, all day sits, and you were able to shoot a three-and-a-half-year-old eight-point buck, three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half, with a bow. There's no shame in that like yeah not many people can do that like you you literally you climbed up a tree with a bow and shot a buck that's not like a spring chicken you know three and a half four and a half like dude that's something to be proud of you know now i was like you know if, if you're you know managing for trophy populations and stuff like that and you've got thousands of acres you know i would let him walk but that's not this the situation you found yourself in like dude like be proud of what you've just accomplished he's like no you're right right."
0: it's interesting i i just got back from a whitetail hunt in wisconsin and like the first thing that that i was told is uh they said hey just don't shoot a small one and i'm like okay obviously you've been listening to the podcast (laughs) because i'm equal opportunity you know i'm like i like to punch that tag but i'm like hey you're your place, your rules, I'll, you know, I'm all for that and, and got to sit in a, a tree and let's see, it was super sunny and then it rained like hell. And then we got sleet and then we got snow and then it was sunny again. And that was, I think, 28 minutes in Wisconsin.
3: Um, Yeah. You had but, all, all the seasons in, in like a four hour window. Oh, in thirty minutes or less, yeah. it was it
0: was insane. It was it was really neat, and and literally right after the squall is is when this this guy came in, and I I looked down and there's a doe right there, and she just had me pegged. And I don't have the greatest eyes, so for me optics are essential. I've got to have good optics, right? Because my eyesight's just bad. And yeah, right. uh, and so anyway, I've got a doe right here to my left and i look up and there's a buck that you know you hope is going to follow her down the trail and i'm and i was in good shape i'm like hey if he takes the left and goes this way in front of me i've got a good shot real real, real open territory and if he goes this way to to the left following her i i've got a good alley i had a, a shooting lane there so i'm like hey i'm in good shape if he comes and and i looked and i could see he had you know, four plus the, the eye guard on the left. I'm like, okay, this is a ten point buck. This is why I'm here, right? And he came down and he passed behind a tree. I got got to draw and and uh, put a good arrow in him, and and it was it was pretty good. Once I got him on the ground, you, you talked about ground shrinkage, and he was the size I expected. I just hadn't noticed that one of his tines on the right right side had had been busted off, but still, I'm. I was thrilled with him and uh uh the the landowner was happy he was like oh yeah that's a great buck you know congratulations you've got the
3: skull on your table, don't you
0: I do yeah oh, let me yeah. hold it up all right this is uh here let me let me get you, you want the uh let's see this is a zoom shot or the Facebook shot here's a Facebook we'll start
3: at the Facebook shot yeah so
0: there's the Facebook shot. And then, uh, let me see, let
3: me see the pro let me see the front. Let me see the profile dude all day. That's a fantastic deer.
0: Yeah. I was thrilled. And then, you know, they'd been saying, Hey, don't shoot a small one. So then I'm like, Oh, are the tines long enough or the, and, and I just told them. I said, I'm thrilled with it. I couldn't be happier. This is why I'm
3: here. Here's here's, let me throw something out there for listeners. We're talking about whitetail hunting. All right. It's not, don't shoot a small one. That's not that that that's that's no one should ever say that. What they should say is don't shoot a young one. So if you want big trophy whitetails, you manage to age. You don't manage the rack. All right. Yeah. You can. So we've all seen deer that, or, you know, uh, Dylan and I have seen deer that were two and a half, three and a half. Like, oh, my God, he's going to be a monster in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, Dylan sends me some of those pictures.
3: Man, can you imagine this guy in two years? Yeah, but those deer, they don't go whopper at two and a half, whopper at three and a half, whopper at four and a half, whopper at five and a half. They have a down year. They 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 all do. Like it's it's very rare that you're going to see a deer that every single year he's like he keeps growing at that pace. So like that's the whole thing with you manage. So my buddy Jeremy Starks, who's a wild a whitetail biologist out of West Virginia, like he and I became friends on a Turkey hunt this past spring in South Florida. And like I'm I'm 45. I've been I shot my first whitetail when I was 15. I have been hunting whitetails for 30 years. I've learned more in uh, six, seven, eight months of friendship with him about whitetails than I have in my entire 30 years pursuing them on my own. And so when people say like don't shoot a small one, you manage to age. So like the ideal age to where you're really gonna start to either see them, they're really gonna be maxed out, and then I think they'll start to decline. It's one man's opinion. Is six and a half years old, so if you have a six and a half year old deer and his rack is small, it's okay to shoot that deer. There's nothing wrong. Okay, with it. but what you don't want to do, one man's opinion, is shoot two and a half year old bucks. Like, and so instead of saying don't shoot a small one, don't shoot a young one. Like, that's the, un- unless unless like you've got like you're a college kid or whatever. You've got two days to hunt. That's all you and the only opportunity right. you have is that spike. I totally support that. Yeah, I totally support that. Like, I'm, like, like equal opportunity, man. Hey, like, I don't know what your situation is, whatever. But, like, in an ideal situation, you want to shoot an older, mature buck over you young. That's just my take. But if you're just meat hunting, man, let it ride.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh Dylan and I are, are uh, I don't know, famous, but infamous for uh, our love of forking horns. Or maybe it's just me, and I throw him in the boat, so I'm not alone. Maybe that's what it
3: really is. Well, so I, so I sometimes, so I get caught up. So I'm new to deer hunting. So I've shot three mule deer now. I shot one in Curtis, Nebraska this September, a nice four by four in full velvet with my butt. Like just awesome. Awesome story. Awesome experience. Awesome hunt. Everything about it was fantastic. I've got one above or the foot over the, on the, in my bedroom. That's a whopper. I shot in uh, La Mesa, Texas a couple years ago, Melissa, my girlfriend was there. Um, Super cool experience. But I, when I see mule deer, I automatically default to whitetail. So, like, sight recognition, when I see like a, like a scrub muley, I'm like thinking, man, that, you know, hell of a big whitetail. That's a shooter. And then I'm like, wait a minute. No, no, no. It's a four corn, four corn muley. What am I doing? No, I got to, I got to reroute my thinking because I'm comparing this to a whitetail. And if that were a whitetail on our farm, he'd get run up real fast. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I feel you on the fork corn thing.
2: I, uh, I shot a buck this morning actually. And and texted my dad or I Facetimed my dad and he said, dude, you've sent me like four videos of four bigger deer than that this year. And I'm like, yeah, but they didn't catch me on the wrong day. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fact. I, I was still trying to be a property manager at that time. Right now. I just want to kill something.
3: Yeah. You're just trying to get something on the ground. Yeah. The that's,
2: see, and that's, and that could change
0: for me. That could change on the day. Or or that could change on the minute. On the I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I had an antelope come in uh, in Wyoming this year, and I'm like, oh, that's clearly not a shooter. And then all of a sudden, he was drinking at the tank, and I was sitting in this ground blind, and I'm like, you know what? I've always wanted to shoot something at a water tank, and maybe he's bigger than I think. Bam, he wasn't. You know, next thing you know, it, yeah, he wasn't. He, I had filled judged him completely accurately, but it's yeah, my, I could change. On a, I can talk myself into anything that's, in 30 seconds.
3: That's the interesting thing about um, new species for me. It's like, I just want to get one of them on the ground, and then we'll start building towards yeah. the resume of said species. So, yeah. like, I've I've been bear hunting a few times, and I've never had any success with bear until I was in southern Colorado this year. I shot that really big elk. And then the next day I shot up my first bear, which just happened to be a 400-pound nice color phase black bear, like just chocolate, like beautiful, beautiful, big old bear. And um, the game warden, when he was sealing the skull, he goes, this is your first bear? I said, yes, sir, it was. He goes, you will never shoot one bigger than this. And I was like, I'm totally fine with that. I'm okay with starting at the top. Yeah. Because I started at the bottom many, many times, you know?
0: See, that's – when I went to Africa, I was like, okay – My goal is just to get a good representative of the species down and then trophy hunt. And in every single case where I shot multiples of the same animal, my first one was the biggest in every single case, kudu oryx, the whole way around. So it was uh, just how it worked
3: out. The interesting thing about Africa is I've been over there a lot and I've taken a bunch of people with me over the years, Um, different groups of hunters, you know, Hey, we're going to Africa. If you want to come, this is the cost, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I don't know, I've probably taken probably close to 30 people um, over the years. And uh, it's funny because like the first day that we end up, i like, what is that? What is that? And I'm like, that's an Impala. They're like, can I shoot that? And I'm like, yeah, you can, but you don't maybe we to. wait for a bigger one. And they're like, okay. And then like two days later, they've seen 400 Impala and they don't get the same reaction. But the yeah, first reaction to different animals in Africa is always the best. Like you can't compare it's unbelievable. You know, warthogs and they see Cape buffalo and then they see their first wild giraffe and they, you know, it's like, it's just overwhelming. Um, the one animal over in Africa that I've shot a lot of and I've only got like, they're just, it's just like an, it's a blessed buck, you know, like it's, it's just a, you know, bless. they're all the same to me. Um, but where we hunt in Limpopo, just south of Botswana, where we're 2.4 kilometers south of the Botswana River, um, they're, uh, it's 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 they're all about the same size and um i've got one whopper and then all the rest of my blessed there's part of the package so we do a plains game package over there right they're all pretty uniform animals but yeah africa is a phenomenal place to hunt and i tell anyone that's never been that it's extremely easy to hunt there like you literally just find an outfitter like sediva niqui is an outfitter that i use they're really really good uh, I think we're going to go with Crusader Safaris this summer, uh, which reminds you I need to reach out to them today. Um, and um, it's just awesome, man! Like you buy a plane, you book a trip, send a deposit, buy a plane ticket, and that's it. And then you just go. Like you don't need shots, you don't have to worry about a bunch of weird stuff. Like, right? Super easy. And like you make a huge impact on those local communities by bringing in jobs. And like you can yeah. you can land in Johannesburg and drive to. The northernmost point to the Botswana border, and I could take a hundred random people on that ride and say, every time we pass through a town that has a hunting concession attached to it, I want you to tell me. And every time we go through a town that does not have a concession, I want you to tell me as well. And everyone would get a one hundred on that test because you can tell the towns that have hunting concessions because there's kids, they're, they're they're they've got food, they're dancing around, there's jobs, there's there's an energy in the air, and there's joy. Versus you go through these desolate towns that don't have hunting concessions and you can tell because it's dust and, and in yeah. the road, you know, from Cornet McCarthy. It just sucks. Yeah, that's... I love Africa. I love yeah, Africa. Yeah,
0: I went and it uh, it was interesting because I, I went to a place that wasn't an outfitter. It was just a buddy had heard about this place that had big kudu and that's, mm-hmm. that's his thing. So we went there and it turns out it's just a, a private ranch. And we we're the first Americans ever there, and so yeah. it it was, it was pretty neat because I'm pretty sure that they used our deposit money to put in new walk-in coolers and build the the chalets that we stayed in. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could just see it. And then, you know, when we'd go out and get an animal, it came back and and it went to the whole. You know, they had the camp there, and man, it was it was a neat thing. Everybody was excited about it. It
3: wasn't. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times we put up to the skin and, shit and there'd be a cop there. And I'm like, what the hell? Why is there a cop standing here? He pull up and, you know, he'd it, buy a whole warthog. What'd you guys yeah. shoot today? And warthog, Apollo. And they'd, you know, and I'd, I'd looked at him and i say, Hey man, like, I don't really, I don't, if he wants that meat, you know, find out what he's going to do with it, but like, give it to him. Like, I don't like, do you mind? It's like, well oh, I insist. And so a lot of that meat that we uh, most of the meat that we hunt with the animals that we kill over there it goes to the orphanages the local school mm-hmm. orphanages it teaches the kids how to read and improve their testing and all that stuff so you make you have that that's what like that's what really irritates me about these environmentalists and they you know see if someone shoot something in Africa and they lose their mind it's like first of all you've never been to Africa you don't even no. know where in the hell this animal was shot you just see an animal that you think that some person that you don't know from a state you don't live in should not have done that. However, I have done more for that country in my 12 trips over there than you and all of your friends combined will do in your lifetimes.
0: Yes, in a hundred lifetimes.
3: In a hundred lifetimes. And more importantly, I know more about the animals in Africa and animals in general than you will ever know. And that's strictly because I've spent the past three decades of my life interacting with them and chasing them all over this damn world you know um but yeah africa is rad dude you you can get like a decent you can get a really good planes game package for like three grand six animals plane ticket you're gonna fly out of delta flight on friday night delta flight 204 or delta flight 201 leaves out of atlanta on friday at 804 p.m and you're gonna land in johannesburg Then it's a 16 15 hour flight you're gonna sleep through the most of it and then you got a five-hour car ride north, you know, to Limpopo, and then it's game on. Like it's yeah. it's that it's that easy. You don't have to have shots. You don't have to have a bunch of weirdo ass paperwork. Um, like you don't need to take your own rifle. You can use the out the the PH's rifle. They all have them. Makes your life life a lot simpler. You don't have to lug stuff around. Um, and it's just I highly recommend. It. And I, we 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 uh, excuse me we uh, we bow hunt over there. So yeah, we hunt water yes. holes. It's,
0: it's it's definitely worth doing, and it's oh. it, it, you know you mention it, and I was on the plane with some. They call over there. They call them greenies. Uh, you know the,
3: the environmentalists. Yeah, greenies. Yeah, I call them greenies and, too.
0: And so it's it's one of those things when I'm on the plane with some of these folks, and oh, what are you doing? Oh, we're going on safari. Oh, us too. And uh, oh, what are, what are you going to shoot over there? Uh, a camera, you know, and they're talking Canon. Uh, yeah, seven, and, seven. and so it it's interesting because you start talking to them and, and even people that have the, you know, the emotional attachment to to elephants, it's like, okay, well, Botswana kills more elephants. More elephants are killed now through poaching and culling, bringing in zero revenue whatsoever, bringing in no meat for the local families, providing no value whatsoever to the country that we're taking when hunting is oh, for sure. And it's like, you know, it, it's just, you explain, Hey, if you, if you really do care about, you know, elephants, for example, then hunting is a management tool that, that needs to oh. be utilized to ensure that they're, they're at carrying capacity and not over and, and all these different things and the villages and it's, they just have a hard time seeing the, the whole picture.
3: Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, Hey, you know, you know, environmentalist greenie, let me ask you a question. Tell me what, how do elephants die? Their Teeth wear away and they starve to death. They get excised from their herd and they wander around, they can't eat because they don't have teeth and they just starve to death. That's not how, a good way to go. No, God, no, 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 no. So, like, I saw a meme and it showed a bunch of African elders in like loincloths from the gods must be crazy. Remember that movie mm-hmm. sitting in a circle? And it's like, We have finished our meeting about the quality deer management assessment for the state of Alabama, we will now be submitting it for ratification and it was like that is funny because that's basically what a bunch of americans do it's like they're telling africans how things should happen in their country yeah and it's like go back to your little Actually. little house and wherever and be quiet like you don't contribute anything yeah. just well, and, they, boys.
0: and I, they don't understand it's a different wildlife management model we have the north american wildlife plan and it works it, it works very well for us but over there, there are places they think, oh, if you just leave it alone, then there will be gazelles and kudu and elephants everywhere prancing around. No, yeah. if, if you don't have a use for those species, they will not exist because they'll eliminate them to put in cattle.
3: If you or want they- to ensure the survival of a species, monetize that species. Yeah. And that species will thrive. There are two. There's no one on this planet. That cares more about lions or sheep than lion hunters or sheep hunters. Right. I promise. I right. promise no one cares more about those two species than lion hunters and sheep hunters. period
2: i uh, I don't know if you saw it, baker. we've talked we've talked about it one other time on the show before, but Joe Rogan put out this thing um, basically bashing hunting in Africa. Our friend uh, Robbie, there from Blood Origins, put out a video basically saying like, let me take you like I'll take you to Africa and show you what it's all about. And uh, from my understanding, Joe Rogan opened up and, and listened to what Robbie had to say about it. But um, I thought that was I, I thought Robbie's arguments were super powerful. But I also thought kudos to Joe Rogan for listening like that. Well, no, know, that's that's public like mind switch, you know?
3: Yeah. So but that's that's that was that's like how our country was founded. It's like the First Amendment, like my opinion is different than yours. Well, it, in today's day and age, you're not converting. You're not changing anybody's mind right and it's interesting every once in a blue moon it does happen and like um i don't know if you guys remember like six years ago that little 12 year old girl shot that giraffe in africa i was standing two feet beside her when she did that that was my rifle that she used um i was there logan stark filmed that from black rifle like um and the world went nuts she was on pierce morgan like all this crazy stuff and death threats and all this stuff and like the carrying capacity on that land, that property we were on, was about 20 giraffes, all right, and uh, I think they had about 50 giraffes, and those giraffes, you could tell, you look at that giraffe, like, just it was not in great health, because they're just, the food source wasn't there for them. and right. so, um, I know that uh, Clint East, what's Scott Eastwood, is that his name, um, he was ranting and raving about, you know, all that stuff. And, Oh, this is disgusting. And the other day, why would anyone ever shoot a giraffe? Well, he's now a big time hunter, you know? So you have to man, everything has to be managed. Everything, yeah. oil, gas, money, credit, food, milk, cows, buildings, everything has to be managed. So there's zoning laws in place to make sure that things are built properly. Like there's, there's health codes, everything on this planet or everything in this country to some degree is managed. Like you have to manage your life, your finances, cal- caloric intake, caloric output. Like this, you have to cut your lawn. Yeah, everything you have to is mow managed. Grass. Yeah, everything is managed. You cannot expect anything to not be managed. And like it, it's it's anthropomorphism is, is the actual term. And what anthropomorphism is is when people attribute human like characteristics to animals and and cartoon characters and things from their childhood. Smokey the Bear, um, Bambi. The father of anti hunting is Walt Disney, and it started in 1969. And if you remember that movie, Bambi's father was running out of the woods, and these hunters are charging towards this massive forest fire and shoot this deer. In modern times, modern firearms, no one has ever been like, oh my God, there's a big forest fire. Let's go shoot deer. No, that's not how this works. Like, so in new theme, you want to unpack it. The father of anti hunting is Walt Disney. It started in 1969 with the release of the film Bambi.
0: See, now I always use Bambi as, as kind of an inspirational piece. I'm like, you know, Bambi's dad is out there. I just have to find him.
3: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And like you grew up you without know. a father, it makes you tough as hell. Like my dad died when I was five years old. Look at me now. I wouldn't be half the tough man. I was, if my father had lived. Yeah. That was a, that was an off color joke, by the way. But, um, you know, the, but, uh, you know, it's that's, that movie and all the anti-hunting stuff. And it's like, anti-hunting, man, is so new. It's basically 50 years old. That's it. It's really about 50 years old. And like, you have these people. It's just based on ignorance. It's like, there's no science behind it. And that's when you run None. into a lot of problems, man. You start managing stuff by like ballot and voting and you don't let science have a say-so. And I'm not saying that science is always right. But science is, in my opinion, science will always outperform emotion well
0: that that's the problem is because you have a logical thought process that's how i do things i'm like sometimes
3: sometimes i'm logical i can be very logical
0: (laughs) and it's uh you know and and i understand the other side of that i i went to school for wildlife wildlife biology and so i'm sitting in these classes and they you talk about population dynamics and carrying capacity and all these things and you know if you have to go coal you know, 10 animals to save the rest of the herd. Absolutely. You know, is it emotionally suck for those 10? Yes. But for the greater good, you know, that's that's just life in the woods. It's life wherever you happen to be. And so if you don't
3: do it, they will do it. Yeah. The, yeah the nature it, is a
0: cruel
3: a cool bitch. Yeah. And yes. the, the way that mother nature deals with it, it's not pretty. Like, and it ain't fast. No, man. Look at wolves and coyotes and stuff. Death by consumption. Like uh-huh. all these people, they talk about wolf reintroduction, which I am by no means a subject matter expert on that at all. I just have friends that know a lot about it, but like watch how wolves kill stuff and it, and then sit there and tell me it's, it's, it's brutal. It can be very brutal. Like when you know,
0: you're, you're being consumed while you're, you, while you're watching a pack of wolves, literally eat the guts out of your own, per you know, body. That's, brutal. that's not good. You're no. still trying to get away and you're already dead. You just don't yeah, know it
3: yet. For sure. And it's yeah. not pretty. No, not at all. But um, yeah, I've hunting's a big part of my life. It always has been. Um, you know, we're black rifle. We're doing a lot of stuff now, on the conservation front. Like we have um, we have a partnership with you guys that's in legal right now. Getting signed up on it should be any day now. Uh, we're doing some stuff with the National Wild Turkey Federation. We're doing stuff with the Wild Sheep Foundation, uh, the National Deer Association, as well as the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So Good. um You know, we're making a big push into, you know, I would say Black Rifle, our core competencies where we do a really good job on it. And it's time to expand into other verticals, you know, and so hunting is a big part of my life. Um, I know the outdoors is a huge part of Evan Hafer's life and Logan and Matt. Um, And it's just it's the right move for us to start doing it. And so we started cherry picking some of our, you know which companies and which organizations we wanted to work with. And so, you know, Dylan, and this is a testament to Dylan's persistence because I have blown him off for probably eight months. Um, yeah. About six months, at least I blew him off. but finally it's like, okay, I'm ready to do it. Let's, let's get this thing done. You know? So yeah. here we are. and hey, uh, he does not take
0: no for an answer. You now realize this.
3: Yeah. And he's yeah. very polite about it. Like he's just got this polite nudge. He's got this way of nudging you. Like, hey, you flake! Uh, hey, you look at me. Two weeks ago,
0: I'm drinking your coffee again.
2: Yeah, you know, that's yeah. that's that's what's funny is every morning you wake up, you make a cup of coffee, and it reminds you. You're like, man, I got to get with Baker. <laughs> yeah, it works. Here hey, you I'll are. Do this, works. Well, let, let me just give a testimony. Like, uh, shameless plug. I love coffee, and I love good coffee. Like, you know, I, I don't run to the gas station to buy coffee. Um, and I always thought. I mean, for years, I thought Black Rifle was gimmicky. Like, oh, it's just another Folgers rebranded for the outdoor industry. Um, I was at Cabela's and I was Christmas shopping. And, and I was Christmas shopping for my dad. And I'm like, I'll just grab a bag of coffee. And he'll think that's cool. So I bought it for him, took it home for Christmas. And uh, my brother was like, hey, dude, I, I brought my pour over. I'm going to make a cup of coffee. And I'm like, sure. And it was a fantastic cup of coffee. And then you start looking into the, into the organization. and You're like, wait a second. They're not just marketing towards the outdoor industry. They're supporting me as a hunter by support yes. by supporting NDA and, and and NWTF and of course now us and and uh, I was like, man, this is a company that I will personally stand behind because they stand behind me. So, kudos to Black Rifle. Yeah, well, so, it's
0: good. Uh, you know, for us, I you know, admittedly, I'm not a coffee drinker. I've got my diet due every morning, but when you look at at the industry and you look at who's active in it, you know, we talk all the time um, about, you know, who would you have as a partner if you could choose anybody? And, you know, you look at it and okay, if, if you could choose any e-bike, it's Baku. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to get to work with them. If you could choose any coffee company, who would it be? It would be Black Rifle. It is Black Rifle. And so it's kind of nice for us, uh, Pope and Young, to be able to literally work with the companies that you would choose to work with. And it's that way across the board. So we're super excited about it.
3: Um, Yeah. Pope and Young was a no-brainer for us. NWTF no-brainer. Um, Wild Sheep Foundation, no-brainer. Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, no-brainer. Uh, National Deer Association, um, from the South. Boone and
2: Crockett. Uh... Rocket, uh... We'll,
3: they'll they'll be in round 2. We'll yeah. see what they're about. Um but uh yeah it's just it's the companies that are just no brainers. It's an easy decision. Um and we're excited about it, you know, uh I don't know if I'm allowed to say this but like I got uh, Evan and Logan going on an elk relocation um trip where they're going to net some elk and relocate them and I'm not going to say where or when or whatever but there's just a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah. Um and those guys have worked their asses off for eight years. I mean, we started black rifle with, um, $1,800 about eight years ago. And we'll do, this is all public knowledge. Um, we'll do about 240 million in sales this year. And in, in the, but I'm not trying to brag on that. I'm just trying to basically, I'm trying to brag on my friends because they did this with just hard work. Like they, none of them had like an inheritance or rich parents or rich uncles. None of them won the lotto. Um, they didn't. They bootstrapped and they didn't have any money. They just worked their butts off. And uh, Evan went years without getting paid and maxed out credit cards and, you know, driving his wife crazy, always gone, not having any money. And, um, you know, just hard, hard work. And that's all it is. And, you know, and it's interesting, like Evan actually owns a, a rafting company, uh, Idaho uh, River Adventures. And uh, he bought that when he was in the military. Um, and he, he'd come back from deployment and he'd go hop on the ore boats and work the rafting job for just to kind of recenter himself. And, you know, um, for big, big fishing, fly fishing guy and all that stuff. And so, you know, it's just been an awesome journey to see from nothing to where we are now. And, you know, I don't take credit for much, but I, I started, I bought Evan and Matt and Logan their first bows. About four years ago, because I wanted them to get I into. I
2: remember that video. Like they put out a video of like first, first time. That's so awesome. Code. I remember that.
3: Yeah, and so, but like I saw this Sitka film called "Place of Peace." It was about Bobby Farmer, who's a third for, third group special forces guy, and he had some bad PTSD. And the thing that kept him from killing himself was he found a bow in the garage when I started shooting it. We had one arrow, so twenty to shoot it. Go get the arrow, walk back twenty yards, shoot it again. And so when you're shooting a bow you guys know as well as anyone, it's hard to get distracted. Like you can't like a rifle. You can daydream. Your mind can wander. But with a bow, you have to stay focused because there's a push, a pull. If you let off, you, you know, there's a lot of crazy shit can happen. Um, and so I got that, those bows for them. And I just thought we'll get into hunting eventually. And when we do get into hunting, it's going to be my job to take us into the hunting space. And planting seeds and watering my seeds and the hunting space within the company. And, you know, and eventually now everything's sprouting. So this past summer, like, Hey, we're going to go hardcore in the hunting space. We want you to lead us. And I was like, all right, you got it. So for me, it's just been the dream come true. Now I get to start doing, and it's like, you know, you get older, you start thinking about your legacy. Um, I'm not a big credit guy, but like, you know, I, I do for me when it's all said and done, I would like my name mentioned when Black Rifle and the outdoor and the hunting space is mentioned, I would like my name to be mentioned. And then so I'm working my butt off to make sure that Black Rifle is we're going into that space. And we're doing it the right way and we're doing it with the right people and the yeah. right companies.
0: Well, it's just nice because I appreciate companies that give back. You see a lot of people that come into the outdoor arena and, you know, it's it, you know, there's almost a progression where, oh, we're, we're new in the hunting industry. So we're just going to take, 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 take. And then after you're around long enough, then you realize, hey, you know, it's time to give back. And so it's nice because I see Black Rifle as as giving back to get into the space almost. I mean, you guys are 100 percent. Yeah. So it's it's I appreciate having been in the industry for a long time, the the way you guys approach it. And
3: yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, we that's the way I do things. It's like, hey, lead with a give, follow with an ask. So it's like, hey, what, Like, and, and you know, Dylan and I talked about this, like, we don't, we have no interest in being a company that writes a, a check to a conservation organization and it's like, all right, you know, see you later guys, have fun. No, 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 that's not how it works. So we want to do things, we want partners. I don't. I want yes. strategic partners. I want, like, one person creates a business of one person, two people creates the business of four. I want to work with companies that want to grow. They just don't want to take a check and then go chase other checks. Like, I don't deal with check yes. checks, We deal with partners. That's how Black Rifle got to where it is today, is through a laundry list of strategic partners, people and companies that we've worked with for the past eight years.
0: Yeah. And that's what we strive to be, is that relationship-driven partner that, you know, people want to work with. It's like, hey, why are you part of Pope and Young? You know, because I can't imagine not being part of Pope and Young.
3: Yeah. That's why. That's the, that's, that's the proper answer.
0: Yeah. Plus sounds like we're you know with all you guys bow hunt down there, we're gonna have to find a
2: measure close by.
3: Yeah, I, I've got yes, yes, <laughs>
2: yeah. I'll yeah. tell you what we need to do, Jason, is we need to put together a black rifle Pope and young hunt where we all meet up and and go on a Pope and young hunt and uh, black rifle little competition for the week. You think yeah. they can handle that? If it's Uh-oh. gonna happen, it's
3: gonna happen in Texas. It's hard like to bow hunting in Texas. Bo Texas is hard bow hunting. Not a lot of trees. They love a ground blind, you know. I love
0: a ground blind. And I'm okay with the tree unless it's too tall because I'm not a big heights guy.
3: So, you know what's interesting about ground blinds? A lot of people make fun of ground blinds. You know what ground blinds, ground blinds do really, really well? Hide scent. Maintain and control your scent. And most people are like, oh, ground blind. It's like, all right, man, here's the deal. You get up in your tree stand with a little subtle wind and watch what happens to your scent. I'll get in a ground blind and let's see what happens to my scent. We'll both take a smoke grenade and pull the pin, set it in the ground blind and then we'll go sit, uh, take one and put it in a lock one and watch what happens to the scent. You'd be shocked, you'd be amazed. You would be amazed at the difference. Yeah. It's, you know- Especially in an afternoon set, especially on an afternoon set. Yeah. Is that scent down. I've hunted a lot of
0: elk out of ground blinds. Uh, really? They just work really well for the way we hunt, uh, where I hunt. And it's amazing, you know, and I, I've, you always hear about, you know, whitetails and how wary they are. And, and I'm sure that's the case, but I mean, I've been in the middle of a herd of 130 elk before where they're literally milling all around you. And I mean, I've seen elk where they wind you, they don't just, it's not like they pick up a head and they look for you they wind you and they turn they're gone they just leave there's no warning there's just like oops they saw something they didn't like and you just hear them run up the mountain right so it's uh they are very effective more effective than i than some people probably give them credit for got
2: my deer this morning out of a ground blind 19 yards now let
3: me say this about ground blinds with regards to bow hunting it's got to be the right ground blind because if the opening is wrong, you will be shooting arrows through. Through the, yep. Guilty, guilty, guilty. I remember when we got the Farm in America three and a half years ago, that first season, like, we we didn't have time to prep. We It was purchased in, in a month into the season. And so, my buddy, Mike, I'm not going to tell you the brand of bow I was shooting. I was shooting a Hoyt. And my friend, Michael, goes, he goes, man, that bow, wow. And I was like, you think so? He's like, yeah. I was like, dang whatever so i shot over the back of a couple does out of this ground blind uh first afternoon said it was a rickety piece of crap ground blind. like just didn't have time to buy a new one we just rolled into town and got in the woods and i set it up on this point and if i was shooting this way i was shooting over the backs of whitetails at like 20 yards i was like what does like what what is going on and these are 18 21 yard shots i'm shooting over their back and i kept thinking man damn this bow is really loud maybe they're jumping the string." And then there was a slit in the front where it was kind of open. It wouldn't, it wouldn't zip shut. And I shot two does that first afternoon right through that slit that was open, just 12 rim. And there was a brush pile behind him. It was funny. It was a complete pass through. And both arrows stuck in the same log at two feet apart. It was kind of crazy. And then I missed some more in front of me. And then the next morning, I missed one at 13 yards over its back 13 yards right in front of me, shooting straight ahead. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I was like, I was getting really mad. And I was kind of hunched. But I was like, and I was like, wait a minute. What are those holes? Because my eyes dropped down and there was six holes in that, uh, in that tarp, in, in the ground line. in the, the thick fabric, not the, yeah, the the Like the heavy plastic stuff. Yeah. And I just yeah. thought, no. And so I drew my bow back. And I'm looking at arrow clearance, and I was like, "What the hell, man!" Yeah. And so, if you have one that has the deep V, you can only shoot dead dead nuts straight ahead of you. So you got to have a thicker, wider opening because you won't have arrow clearance. Because I mean, That's I've I've drawn it back and been like, "I I can make it work," and I was like, "I can't make it work." Yeah. That's
0: why I use a tall, tall chair because uh, it gives
3: yeah. you a little bit more. No, but if the opening isn't wide enough, it doesn't matter how tall your chair. If you have the if you have a rifle ground blind, you're not shooting a bow out of it.
0: Yeah.
2: I got, I got one for you. I was, we went down to Texas and uh, we we're setting up all these blinds. We got there, you know, 1 PM. We're like, well, let's set up a bunch of blinds and, and hop in for the evening. So we set up all these blinds. My buddy had a brand new blind, brand new out of the box. Just uh-huh. We set it up and, and we dispersed and, and I ended up in his blind and I was shooting my recurve and some javelinas come in and I shot a javelina with my recurve. And I was like, that made a god-awful noise when I shot that. And I looked up, and the top tip of that recurve just zipped through the top of that blind as it, <laughs> as I fired. And so he had a rip in his in the top of his blind, a foot long. I put a piece of black duct tape over it and never told him about it. Never heard a word about it.
3: <laughs> never said anything?
2: Never <laughs> said anything. I thought he did it. Yeah, he probably thought he did. He's probably like, dang, how did I do that, man? This is new. I will For, tell you
3: this. So I, I hunted, uh, if you look on my Instagram, Black Baker, um, you'll see... A, I shot this photo, the most beautiful sunset on on, on the farm where we hunt. Um, the most stunning sun not sunset sunrise is um out of a ground blind that just looks like I don't know if you can see that.
2: That's awesome.
3: Yeah, like and if you look closely, where's that at? That's in America's Georgia. If you look closely, you'll see. Wait a minute. See yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Did achieve. Nice. He's he's young and he's just massive. Like he's he's that wide. And it's just like I've got a video of him. He like came in, and it's funny. Um, like we were talking about hunting, shooting the age, and managing the age as opposed to antler size. Like, just he's a young stud. He's wide, he's tall, just two and a half. He's a god, he's a beast. So he got a pass. But I got some good photos of him. He's a hammer, man. He's That's cool. Hammer. Yeah, yeah. That, that was out of a ground line.
0: Yeah. I remember the first time I shot something out of a ground line, I had a couple of elk come by and they were just feeding out in front of me. And I'm like, you know, I, I think now's my chance. I've, I've been hunting pretty hard and I was running out of time. So I'm like, I'm going to take one of these. And I had the mesh screens up and you they were... through those. I know. Well, now I know that at the time I didn't really trust it. And so I'm like, you know... Maybe I can just pull this screen down. And it was the old ones that were Velcro oh, all the way around. Loud. And so I go up, and I get about two, two not like two inches of Velcro down. I get like two Velcro hairs, and all of a sudden both those elk are just looking at me, just, just staring me down. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to work, so I'm going to go through it. And I haven't had any problems.
3: Yeah. So. so if you look on their websites of the companies that make the blinds, like there's been studies of shooting through the mesh. And it's you're off by like a couple millimeter change. It, it, yeah. Dead nuts, basically.
2: Yep. What yeah. Yeah. By- mechanical. <sighs> 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 mechanicals.
3: Poo poo mechanicals. Poo poo a mechanical. No. No. Wow. What's no. Uh uh-uh. uh.
2: No, the reason I ask is because I saw a study put out and I don't remember who put it out, but basically, um, most mechanical developers looked into the pressure it took to get through mesh and made the clip or the rubber band or whatever that holds it back just stronger than the mesh. Like just that it would take just more than the mesh would give. That way I could still make it through the mesh, but I've never shot one through mesh. I don't know. I,
3: I'm a, all right. I have hated mechanicals for half a decade until I got the right mechanical set up. So one of the problems with mechanicals, and this is this is a a problem within the industry, there are mechanical companies that show these massive, massive wounds. Like oh, stick your
0: hand through.
3: Yeah, huge, huge. So, um, and that's not applicable to everyone. I'll give you. He doesn't. I'm going to give you an example of a very good friend of mine, John Dudley. Shoots uh, that, and he John Dudley puts these massive holes in animals and kills big white tail very ethical hunter makes good shots very professional the difference between john dudley and say uh some other random hunters dudley's six five he has a massive i think his draw is 32 and a half inches all right and so his arrow is traveling much faster so someone sees that and like oh man i'm gonna get a two inch sever or two inch whatever And how tall are you? Well, it's like one of those Midwest hunters that, you know, looks like a middle school boy on steroids, you know, they're like five foot four and all muscular. I coined that term, by the way. Um, And so they want to shoot a a two-inch cutting diameter, but they're only pulling 65 pounds on a 28-inch arrow. The problem there is that once that two-inch mechanical opens, that blade surface is so wide, the kinetic energy is absorbed gone. and it, they don't get the penetration. It's, so shift down to a one and a half inch cutting surface. Don't try to make entry wounds like Dudley. You're smaller than him. You know, you, 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 need six inches of penetration and you're, it's just devastating. But like I made the mistake. I was like, Oh, let me get this two inches. You know? And then I realized I was talking to my buddy, Jeremy starts. He's like, yeah, you shouldn't be shooting two inches. You should be shooting inch and a half. I was like, why? He goes, Cause you're pulling 70 pounds on a 29 and a half inch draw and your arrows, 400 and something grain. Like you don't two and two inch cutting surface is going to eat your kinetic energy. So you're not going to get good penetration. I was like, okay, that's science. That makes perfect sense. You're right. So I switched to one and a half, but I cuss, I dog cuss two inch mechanical blades for, I didn't, I I wouldn't shoot one for five years. Wouldn't touch one because it had the wrong setup.
0: Yeah. And see, I've had, I've had good luck where i'm at we just haven't had the opportunity i think this year or last year was the first year in oregon you could use a mechanical broadhead and so just you know where i tend to live they, or where i live they just it wasn't an option so i just never investigated it mm-hmm. when you look at it you see some of these videos with these just amazing wound channels and for me i like to chase elk uh, and so I just look at it and I'm like, okay, I want a big cutting surface, but the ribs and the shoulder on an elk are a lot different than the ribs and the shoulder on a deer. Even a big Absolutely. mule deer doesn't have, you know, you can go through the, sh- you make a good shot. You can go through a mule deer shoulder. I've made a shot on an elk and not gotten through the shoulder.
3: And well, it's all, you know, dude, listen, it's all, it all boils down to shot placement. Yeah. Like, it, shot, focus – so, like, I, you know, it. I, I use an example about powerlifting. And I used to compete in powerlifting for several years. And, like, you, you have these people come into the gym and they they get bored with basic barbell work. Because they start working out and they're making these fantastic gains. And then you hit a plateau. And I want to start doing all these other exotic, like, training modalities. And it's like, well, you don't need change. You don't need bands. Like, focus on basic barbell work. And it applies to people in archery just as well It's like focus on making, focus on being the best shot you possibly can be and and, and the most variety and different angles and stuff like practice your cuts, practice everything, practice shooting elevated, practice shooting uphill, shoot longer distances, change it up constantly and know your equipment. Don't like, don't try to be someone else. Just be the best version of you that you can be and the best shot that you can be and stick with the basics. Like you don't need these whammer jammer mama slammer broadheads that have a fixed blade and they have like a 17 inch cutting diameter with a guillotine backup, like focus on the basics.
0: I, you know, I need the link for that. Cause that sounds
3: cool. It's yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, man, I got a story. I'm going to save it for another episode. Cause it's a right. story, but I'm, t- <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you it involves a guillotine and it, i I'll tell you the quick story. So we were hunting out in Kansas, um, at a buddy's place. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a game ranch. All right. And, uh, they had psycho deer on it and they were, they wanted to tear the fence down so they could open. He bought the property. It was high fenced. He wanted to take the fence down and open it up because it's Kansas. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, when you do that, you have to eradicate everything that lives within the fence. Okay. And he was like, Hey, here's what we're doing. Do you guys want to come up and help? They've got some Syca deer. They've got. <laughs> Who says no to that? Honestly, exactly. do you want they've to come got, up
0: and help? Yeah. yeah today or tomorrow morning? You just. Yeah, tell they've
3: them. got. They had Syca deer. They had elk. And the elk meat was really weird tasting because it had been like kind of grain fed. It wasn't very good. And these. They had the shittiest, excuse my French. They had the smallest, crappiest, poorest tail. Populate like the, the, these were the smallest whitetail bucks in the state of Kansas. Huh. I'm not even dude. I'm not kidding. Like tiny.
2: That's where they needed us, Dylan. Yes, we're so, okay with those. We just so, take care of them in a heartbeat.
3: Put me in, Coach. Put me in. So I had this psycha, psycha deer, syca deer, syca deer, and I shot it quartering away. Well, first of all, I had five arrows. And nice. I love turkey hunting. And they have a fall turkey season. And I had this super long beard coming in. I was misranging. I missed him three times. I mean, and, and they were, like one time I was a foot high, one time I was a foot right, one time I was a foot left. And eventually he was like, to hell with you. And he just walked off. I had so my, you, got, I had my,
0: you got three shots at one turkey.
3: Didn't move. Did like, like it was a foam target just standing there. Wow. Missed him three times. So then I got this psycho deer coming in. I was like, oh, my God, I want one of these because I heard the meat is phenomenal. So I put an arrow in it. So, um, I had one arrow left and it wandered off I was going to get that deer. And so we get out and we're walking by this Creek and I see the deer standing up at 42 yards and shot right over its back. So then I'm out of arrows and I got a very much not dead deer. So I was like, all right, man, we got to go find these other arrows. So we start looking for my other arrows and we finally found them. One was in a tree, like eight feet in the air. Finally found one on the ground. Went, it was in it, that was at the base of a tree, went to pull that out and lost the broadhead. But it didn't strip the screws. It was kind of strange. So I'm looking for my other arrow and I look down, and in the be- base of this big old oak tree is a guillotine broadhead with no shaft in it. And I was like, what? in God's name is going on. So I screwed my arrow shaft onto it in the tree and finagled it out. So now I have my arrow shaft with a random turkey broadhead, no blades, just the loop still. And I thought, what in God's name am I going to do? And I was like, you know what? So I was able to rip the wire loop off of it. So now I just basically have a field point with like a little bleeder blade okay left so and I crept up to within I don't know 20 yards of that deer and made a really good shot on it but I finished it off with a turkey broadhead that wasn't mine that I don't know how long it had been sticking in this tree that's that's the damnedest thing I've got some insane I've hunted on four continents I've got some insane hunting stories I mean like some insane hunting stories but like as far as like a mental kind of like what in the that's not mine but i'll use it you know like (laughs) what are the chances do you know what i mean so i've got like just a ton of those but that is the one story that like really blew my mind um of all the hunting stories i've got was that's how i finished a deer off with a with a with a turkey guillotine
0: See, I, I see guys that are out there with like three arrows and I don't have the confidence for that because I'm, you know, you want to make a good shot, but sometimes there's a limb you don't see, or there's a breath of wind that you didn't know was coming and you're just off a little bit. And man, I want to have those backup arrows for just that reason. I hunt,
3: I hunt elk and muleys with three, with three arrows and I hunt Southern whitetails. Uh, I'm sorry. I take that back. I'll i hunt western stuff with with a full quiver and i hunt southern whitetails with three arrows and that's mainly because uh pigs or something will wander in. yeah but you're not going to get more than two shots on a southern whitetail i don't with a bow i don't that's just yeah. not happening that's
0: yeah no, no i i've got a six arrow quiver now because they they make them in four and six i obviously got the six because they don't make an eight but i think when i first started i think i had a uh My quiver at that time either held eight in the broadhead hood and Uh had two on the outside, or it might have been ten and two. It was either a ten or a twelve arrow quiver. Man, that bait file left. I it was full. So that's wild. But just in case, you just never know.
3: Be prepared. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And, but once
0: again, I have not run out of arrows on an animal. So.
3: I have. I have. Absolutely have.
0: Yeah. But, uh, and see if I would have needed the turkey point, I'd have just maybe had one on the outside there. Although I don't want to shoot a deer with a judo point or something.
3: No, it wasn't a judo. It was a yeah. dually. Yeah. But I pulled the wire piece off. Like I I ripped that off. So I just basically had a field point with a bleeder blade. Yeah. And I ended up shooting him like kind of in the heart. You know, That's which... I mean, you hit him
0: in the heart. It doesn't matter what you hit. You know, to to the contrary of what we were talking about earlier with wound channels, you make the right shot, and any blade will get it done.
2: Yeah, I had a and, and, I had an uncle one time. You know, I don't have to worry about him ever listening to this. Um, borrowed a bow from one of my cousins, so his nephew, and I uh, just wanted to tinker around with it for a while, and and so my my cousin left the bow for him, and a day later he called him and said, dude. I just shot a deer with that bow you gave me, and he said, "Oh, really? Like, tell me about it, man." He said, "I went and set up against a tree, and it wandered by, and I shot it." And uh, he said, "Oh, man, that's that's really cool, man." He's like, "So you went and bought you some broadheads?" And he said, "What? What's that?" And he's like, "Like uh, uh, hunt with?" And he said, "No, I just shot him with what you gave me." And he said, "Those are field points, dude." And he said, "You can't shoot a deer with that." He's like, "I'm standing over it right now. I mean, killed it." 12 ringed it dead it's dead or no door he's like i i shot it i'm i mean i've already got the deer what do you mean i can't do that and he's like well like okay don't do it again don't do it again
3: exactly don't do it
2: again yeah like, inch off you ain't got it that's awesome
3: yeah yeah
0: hey baker we gotta ask the question we always ask one question okay if you're out on a hunt what is one item one maybe non-traditional item that you take with you that you just can't live without
3: uh an arrowhead like an, like an, an, no native american oh okay all right yeah. after the story i was like well that, that yeah i'll show you i'll show fun. you that. so hold on a second
2: i can't believe you didn't say coffee I, I that's
0: what i was expecting that's like the second time that we've we've just not quite nailed what we
3: what we thought there are what you think i was gonna say coffee, coffee. Uh, yeah, side, in, a, in a deer stand. Yeah, in the south. Hey, no man, I take a bow and a release and a set of binders on my chest and a wind indicator and a yeah. grunt tube. I don't take. I don't. I'm not one of those guys. That I go to the stand with very little. Now, yeah. now, if I'm in a, if it's in the morning and I'm hunting like a redneck bun, oh, absolutely coffee in the morning without question. Um, if I'm in a in a uh, lock one, uh, no, I I minimalist. But this is I found this arrowhead oh wow um, this past weekend and so every time and I I'd, I'd spend a lot of time looking for um, arrowheads just so everybody listening, like I'm I'm a huge fan of stuff artifacts in general and um I always look for them and when I find one on a weekend trip so I' normally go up one I'll be there Thursday Friday Saturday and Sundays um, I'll find one and then I'll just take it with me and it'll sit in my hand and I'll sit there and rub it um, but uh, what's the one thing that I always have with me when I'm hunting. I like the arrowhead. Yeah. But like, like so, so like if I'm out West or like, it's yeah, probably um our, some of our instant couple of our instant coffee sticks. Gotcha. Which I think we make the best instant coffee in the world and I will argue and debate. No, and no question about it. Compete with anyone on that. But I like having these things on me just when well, I like finding them and two, I just, I kind of feel like I'm a little bit more tied in to nature and I'll sit there yeah. and, rub it and just knowing that it's there it kind of know, it's weird it just brings some kind of a calm to me um because i like growing up man i was a huge huge fan of the west and cowboys and indians and the settling of the west and all that stuff man like, i just i don't know i just think this stuff so super cool artifacts and like these things are thousands of years old like it's not like you know what i mean so pretty awesome but um, so
0: so you find broadheads no matter how old they are whether they're a year old or a 1,000 years old, you can uh, find 10, them.
3: 10,000 years I've got some really <laughs> old ones, too. So, yeah, man. But, yeah, guys, well, I man, really Hey,
0: hey it. thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you. Appreciate Black Rifle Coffee. And for our listeners, if you haven't tried it, check it out. You will not
3: be disappointed. So, thanks so much. Have a great day. All right, guys. Nice talking to you. Appreciate it.